thankful for his grace and mercy. Thank God for his grace and mercy. Cleaned us up and changed our lives. What a difference he has made in every one of us. And if you're not sure he's made a difference in you, you can have a difference in Jesus. He's ready to set everybody free. He's ready to change your life. Can you give a great hand to our elders, wonderful people of God? We stand here in a place like this because of sacrifice and prayers and the things that they have done. I never want to take that for granted, give high honor to these great elders of this church. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. In one of my favorite preaching classes at Gateway College, Brother Jerry Jones, one of my favorite preachers, taught that class. He taught us that when you're preaching, you have one purpose statement, and you come at it from every direction you can think about. If you have a great story or a powerful illustration, but it doesn't fit your purpose statement, throw it out, use it on some other sermon. So I know typically on a Sunday service, the preacher comes to the pulpit to preach. With apologies to my great professor, Brother Jerry Jones, I have no earthly idea what's your call, what I'm about to do. I think I'm going to teach, go through some verses and expound on things and make some different points because all of this is going to come to one main point after I take you through a bunch of teaching points. Then I'll hit that one main point for like 30 seconds. So if you tell somebody, Brother Bland preached a long time, I preached 30 seconds today. It's just going to take me a long time to get there. Revival was spreading, the church was growing, things were happening, excitement was everywhere. Paul and Barnabas were traveling buddies, going around preaching and strengthening these new churches all throughout the area. Acts 15, 36 says, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let's go again and visit the brethren in every city where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Well, this sounded great to Barnabas. Absolutely great idea. Let's take John Mark. Paul said, ain't happening. We already tried that. He left us in the middle of the work. We're not doing it again. Barnabas and Paul, back and forth. We should take him. No, we shouldn't. Come on, we should take him. Give him another shot. He's young. No, we shouldn't. He's young. He'll desert us again. The contention, the Bible says, got so sharp, my language, they got in an argument and a fight, and they were just like, fine, do what you want to do. I'm going this way. Paul and Barnabas went separate ways. Barnabas got John Mark, and they sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, who came highly recommended by some of the church leaders. Paul and Silas were traveling, ministering to the churches, teaching and strengthening them. Chapter 16 of Acts, it tells us that they met up with Timothy, and it seems like they took him along with them, preaching in these churches, and great things were happening all over this area. They were on their way to preach in Asia, and the Bible says the Holy Ghost stopped them. So I don't know if doors closed, the boat was, ride was canceled. I don't know what happened, or God told them, just don't go. So they didn't go to Asia, and then they were going to go to another place, Bithynia, and the Bible says the Holy Ghost blocked that too, however it stopped them. But it made sense.
convinced because one night Paul had a vision and he saw a man in Macedonia. And this man in his vision says, come over to Macedonia and help us. After seeing that vision, Paul knew obviously exactly what to do. He got the little entourage, the little evangelistic band together and knew without a doubt that God had called them to go preach in Macedonia. It wasn't on their original itinerary, but that's the direction they were going. Let me stop in this account from the word of God here and I want you to understand something about these evangelists, these preachers, these apostles. These were great men of God. These men heard from God. When God said, don't go, they didn't go. When God said, go there, they went there. They were doing a great work. Wonderful things were happening. They were walking according to God's plan, walking in faith, following the leading and guiding of the Spirit. They got in a boat and traveled to Philippi, which was the main city of that part of Macedonia. They hadn't been there long and they heard about a prayer meeting that was happening outside the city. And I want to say down by the river, but I'll say by the edge of the river. Paul and Silas and the little group went out there and there were some ladies meeting there and to pray. Paul and Silas sat down with them and they start teaching them a Bible study per se. Now, there was a woman there. Her name was Lydia. She worked in expensive textiles, and she was some sort of a business owner. Lydia lived in Thyatira, was the name of that town, but, there, but she came to these prayer meetings, and she worshiped God. She loved God, and Lydia heard the gospel. These evangelistic, this evangelistic band told her about Jesus and her heart was receptive to the word of God and Paul was teaching about what Paul was teaching and she realized, hey, I need to be baptized and Lydia and her whole household was baptized because of a Bible study. Then she told this traveling evangelism band, y'all come stay at my house. Now, a lot of people didn't even have houses back there, let alone enough house space and enough food to be able to offer that and accommodate all of them. I, I, I think without stretching it too much, we could say she, was, she did well in selling her little textiles and her dresses, whatever she was doing. She had some money. I can imagine Paul, you know, no, no we, we, we don't want to be a burden, a bother to you. We're, we're fine. We can manage. Now, again, Lydia was a business owner and she knew negotiation. The Bible alludes to the fact that she would not take no for an answer. So I can just hear Paul and Silas's debate or little discourse, Silas asking Paul, where are we going? Well, we're, we're going to Lydia's house. Who's Lydia? This lady here, do we know her? No, not really. Then why in the world are we going to her house? You wanna deal with her? I'm done. She won't stop, so we're going to her house. Fair enough, and there they go off to her house. We're staying with Lydia and Thyatira, but would go back outside the city to the river's edge for the prayer meeting. While they were going, different times they were going, there was this young lady, she was possessed by an evil spirit. She would fortune tell. She would predict things, and she knew things. Her masters, think this through, her owners made a lot of money off of her. 
It was a horrible situation. These Men, these masters, they had no regard for the well-being of this young girl as a human being. She was a tool to be used by them. Acts 16, 17. The same, this young girl, followed Paul and us and cried, saying, watch what she cried. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Wow! Free advertisement. We even have the devil's advertising for us. She was speaking the truth. That is indeed what they were doing. But day after day, this happened. They would go to the river's side praying, prayer meeting and pray and teach and help. Then return back to Lydia's house and this young woman would meet them. And these are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation. Finally, Paul had had it. He's not by the riverside. He's not outside the city. He's in town. After days of this, Paul whips around and said to that evil spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, get out. And it was gone. I'll just throw this in here since we're teaching to this morning. While what this young girl said was absolutely true, the spirit behind it was evil. Can I tell you that just because someone is speaking right, saying the right thing, you need to make sure you know the spirit behind what they're saying it for. I can stand up here all day long and tell you, you need to give. There's a blessing in being a giver and God has blessed you to be able to give and none of that's wrong and I'm sure I could even get some amens. But if my reason, my spirit, my motive for saying this is for some way for us to hoard some extra money in the local church so that I can get a nice fat raise, what I said's correct. The reason I said it's wrong. The only reason I'll help someone change his tire on the side of the road is so I can put a self-social media account up there and put myself on social media how good of a person I am. What I did was right. Maybe what, how I did it was wrong. Evil people can say nice things. People who hate you can smile at you when necessary. I'm in no ways trying to stir junk up or turn people skeptical in any way. I just want you to be wise. Just because someone is saying the right thing does not mean they're necessarily heading the same direction. 1 John 4, 1 tells us, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Another loose translation of this or rendition of this says, my dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Try the spirits. There can be wolves in sheep's clothing. Paul could tell what was going on and he was done with it. He rebuked the spirit. He spoke to the spirit. He commanded the spirit to leave. I might as well, while I'm here, say this too. Lydia, the rich lady, the business owner, the had-it-all-together person, the lady with means and popularity, she needed the same Jesus as this no-name possessed controlled slave girl. You'll never get good enough to get saved. You still need the blood of Jesus to wash you clean. It doesn't matter your pedigree and how, how, how highbrow you think you are. It also doesn't matter how deep and evil and tangled in sin you are. The blood still works.
and it can pull you out. It takes the blood of Jesus to wash away every sin. Sure, Paul met this worshiper of God named Lydia at a prayer meeting. And he met this no-named evil-possessed woman out on the street with her masters. It made no difference. They both needed Jesus. Jesus completely saves. Jesus can turn every life around. Acts 16, 19. And when her masters, I read this, saw that the help of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas. What did they do? Drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. When these people saw what had happened, they were furious. This girl was free. This girl was liberated. This girl was no longer possessed. They didn't care about her. They didn't want her free. They didn't want her delivered. They were making money off of her torment. Ladies and gentlemen of the sanctuary, don't you dare discount who God wants to save. We can't afford to get in the way of God, of who God wants to deliver. There was a complete network around this poor woman that kept her in bondage. It benefited those around her to keep her in a tormented state. Bottom line, they didn't want her better. They didn't want her healed. They didn't want her delivered. They didn't want her saved. It would mess up too much. Oh, I'm feeling crazy this morning. Young person, it may be better that you don't get real close to Jesus. That you don't get too on fire for God. That you don't start acting more like Jesus. Brother Bland, why in the world would you say that? Because you may disrupt the household you're living in a little bit. It may be a little convicting to a parent to walk past your room and hear you travailing in the spirit for souls in that household. They may not want to quite bring you to church as often as you want to come. You're messing up the system of the household. Mama, just calm down. Let's not do anything crazy like being holy as he's holy and having angels running up and down the aisles or and the household and up and down the hallway in your household. Don't go in your kid's room and start anointing oil all over the place and praying and pleading the blood. Daddy, let's just calm down and don't start throwing trash out in the front yard of those movies that you know shouldn't be in there and say, and silly things like we just need to pray about it because doing stuff like that is bound to break something in the spirit is about what's going to happen in that household. <laughs> Dabbling in danger zone. Bring it on. I just came from men's conference. We're fired up. We're men. We're about to take it by storm. Listen to me. When Lydia got saved, let's be honest, she's the type we want. Already loves the Lord. 
already going to prayer meeting. She's well-mannered. She's put together. She's educated. She's a business owner. She's giving. She's generous. She's hospitable. Please don't discount what I'm saying by my tone. She absolutely needed to be saved. Nothing wrong with Lydia getting saved. We rejoice over Lydia getting saved. Please don't misunderstand, misunderstand me on that. I'm not discounting it. But the demon-possessed woman, the tormented woman, the woman being used and abused, the woman with all the baggage, she's a mess. She's going to take some work. It's going to take some time to properly disciple her. She's probably not going to act right in this multi-million dollar facility. She's probably not. She may have a lot of hang-ups and issues. When Lydia got saved, her family got saved, and the Bible studies and prayer meeting continued outside the city by the edge of the river. Thank God for that. But when this no-named, hard-to-manage, wild-eyed, demon-possessed girl got delivered, something broke in that city. She wouldn't necessarily be our choice. But when she was delivered, something happened. People started taking notice and things in that city started rumbling. The church now went from a prayer meeting and Bible study at the edge of the river outside the city to the marketplace in front of the rulers. Let me say it again. We've not come to negotiate. We have come to take over. And you can guarantee that it's not going to come without some sort of upheaval. But God redeems everything. Acts 16, 19, I read it. Let's continue. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. Did you get it? Here are the preachers now in the city in a busy area in front of city officials. 20, and brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. 21, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. A whole bunch of lies is all they were doing. 22, and the multitude rose up. What the multitude have to do with this? The multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Going downhill fast, aren't we? The mob rose up against them over these lies that these men had made up. 23. And when they had laid many stripes, maybe I'll stay outside the city by the river's edge and teach a Bible study. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison. 
charging the jailer to keep them safe. The multitude started beating them. Mob mentality is a very scary thing, and I'm sure some joined in, had no idea why. What are we doing? I don't know. Just hit. Hit something. Here they all go. It's what everybody was doing. So, Brother Bland, what you're saying is this is what you want us to do. Go from a nice prayer meeting and Bible study to being lied about, beaten, and thrown in jail. Well, you have to understand the story's not over yet. 24, who having received such a charge, the prison, the, the prison guy, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Quick reclap. Paul and Silas, men of God, strengthened in the churches, following the direction of God, came to Macedonia, taught Bible studies, went to prayer meetings, won people to the Lord, just being good guys, good church guys, then it happened. Paul getting tired of just going to Lydia's house and down to the riverside for prayer meeting and Bible study, decided that he was fed up with what was happening and started taking control of some new territory. Started messing up some systems that had been in place for a long time. Started fooling around with things that had been in control a long time. Paul! Your name's going to be blasted all over the news. Just go eat supper at Lydia's house. Go to bed. Get up the next morning. Go to the side of the river outside the city. Teach the Bible study and pray. Don't get crazy. Everything was peaceful and just fine when you did that. Daddy, just get dressed for church. Drop the people, drop the family off at the door, park the car, come inside, enjoy a service, and then go home for lunch, repeat on Wednesday and Sunday. See how nice that is? I'm praying for some men who are just real tired of the mundane. Some guys who are ready to walk into work early and start taking over some territory in Jesus' name. We're the mamas and grandmas who aren't satisfied with the Bible study outside the city down by a river, but you're ready to walk through the supermarket aisle proclaiming the blood of Jesus all over the place and laying hands on people in the supermarket. Where are the students who walk into class who have committed them and said, I will not bow and I will not conform, standing strong in the power of the Holy Ghost, praying down those hallways at that school. Somebody needs to get crazy and outside the box a little bit and get tired of the mundane and take some territory. When Paul and Silas started messing, the lies started. The multitude turned on them. They were battered and bruised. They were not only thrown in prison, they were thrown in an inner prison and their feet in stocks. Can you imagine the mind monsters for those two men? This is what I get for being faithful. This is the outcome. Come over to Macedonia, help us. I'm sure glad I listened. This is my pay for following the word of God. Lies, pain, laughing, jeers, misunderstanding. Paul, what are you going to do? 
You're bleeding out bad. You're locked up in that prison cell. Silas, where to from here? Guys, was it worth it? Well, you know, at least Lydia and her house is saved, right? Jesus had come after the one. That's good. And that no-name sort of odd woman, she's delivered. That was worth it, right? But I get it, Paul. I get it, Silas. You're hurting. You're pattered and you're bruised. You were misunderstood. You guys just going to maybe sleep it off? Just shake it off a little bit. Try to be good until you're set free and then run for the hills. Get out of mess. I don't blame you. Just lay low. Be good until they release you. I'm thinking it was quiet in the prison that night. Maybe the other prisoners and guards heard that mob beating those men. They could see the terrible shape they were in as they drug them into the inner prison cells, tied them up in there. I can imagine them, some of them wondering if they were even going to make it through the night. A mob got a hold of them. Blood oozing, teeth knocked out, bruises, maybe a broken rib, a shoulder out of joint. Well, maybe stay in your territory next time. Stay outside the city, by the river, teach your Bible study, and have a prayer meeting there. Don't pray for people on the sidewalk. Don't witness to someone in the store. We don't do that stuff. Just lay low. It was quiet in the prison. I'm sure a lot going through Paul and Silas's mind. Possibly even trying to stay conscious. The candles being blown out and darkness all around. Other prisoners drifting off to sleep. Maybe some in the next cell were curious and they were listening to see if they could even hear Paul and Silas still breathing. Are they, are they still alert? Are they still alive? 10 p.m. What now? Is it worth it? 10.45, intrusive thoughts, having a field day in Paul's mind. 11.22, Silas recounting the events of the day. Maybe even second guessing, did we really hear from God to come to Macedonia? Did I really hear from God to even go on this trip with this guy? 11.35, Paul wondering if maybe this was somehow punishment connected to the disagreement we had with Barnabas over John Mark. You know how our minds work. 11.50, a prisoner snoring in the distance. Two beat up and very discouraged evangelists. 11.59, maybe Silas came to a little and just said, Oh, Jesus, we need you. <sighs> Something came into that dark, unsanitary jail cell. Paul trying to see the outline of Silas in the moonlight. Did you feel that, Silas? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? 
I'm not sure. I'm kind of thinking I've never been this low before. Paul says, I'm kind of thinking, I give you glory. Hey. I give you praise. Hey. Why, Silas, why? Because the enemy did not triumph. What was that? I'm not sure. It felt like something shook just a little bit. Say it again, Paul. Say it again. I give you glory. Hey. I give you praise. Hey. Because the enemy did not, did not triumph. Acts 16, 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the very foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. This time, it wasn't just Lydia. It wasn't just an abused young girl getting saved and delivered. It was the jailer and his household. And the next day, the magistrates start changing orders. Court records start being expunged. The next day, the magistrates come and had a parade, leading Paul and Silas out of prison. How did that all happen? Because they did not lose their song. circle they're back at Lydia's house this was not about their destination it was about what they did on their journey ladies and gentlemen you may not be where God wants you yet but make sure you do something on your journey Musicians and singers, and we can stand. Here's my 30-second preaching. I simply want to say, don't lose your song. Maybe you didn't plan for this side trip on your journey, but don't lose your song. I know it looks bleak. I know it looks confusing. I know there are some just waiting on you to give up and die. But it's midnight. There's still a whole lot of prisoners waiting on you to sing. There's still a lot of prison cells that need to be open. There's still a lot of chains that need to fall off. Don't lose your song. 
What if Paul and Silas would have been so discouraged and too upset and too mad and too bitter to pray and sing praises? I can only imagine this story would have a much different ending. I want somebody to be encouraged today. Get a second wind in your breath. Get a second wind in your lungs. Choose to worship until the cells break open. Choose to worship until the foundations are shaken. Choose to worship until every chain falls off. Don't lose your song. Somebody choose to worship in this place.